Welcome to the Liquid Church Podcast, a place where you can hear the timeless truth of God's Word in a way that's culturally relevant and cutting edge. With each message and series from Pastors Tim and Nathan, we hope you'll discover how God's story relates to your own and that you will leave feeling encouraged. Thanks for joining us and enjoy the message. What's up, church? Hey, it's great to be together today. I'm Pastor Tim, and whether you're online or in person, welcome to Liquid Church. Hey, last Sunday we kicked off in-person outdoor services in six months. I mean, it's incredible, and it was a blast. It was so good to see so many of your smiling faces behind the masks. So many things brought me and Colleen to tears, just seeing families back together again, worshiping, kneeling, praying together. Our worship teams made a joyful noise, which I'm told actually reached five miles away. So apologies to our neighbors and thanks to the police for their patience. We're going to be adjusting our sound and our service times, but we had a blast. Outdoor worship kind of had a tailgate feel to it. Uh, Families uh, camped out in their vehicles. People were socially distanced, six feet apart. We had kids dancing at mountainside in the field. One guy I loved, he was standing on top of his convertible and his bare feet, just worshiping away. It's like it was in California. And let me tell you, It did my heart so good to see our Dream Team volunteers back in action. Let's make some noise for our Dream Team. Come on, church. These guys are heroes. Guys, we are in phase two of our regathering plans, and we're going to be hosting outdoor services for the next two Sundays in two locations, Parsippany and Mountainside. So come worship with us next Sunday outdoors. If you feel comfortable, we would love to see you in person. Now, I know what some of you are wondering. You're saying, hey, but Tim, what about indoor services? Are we going to begin meeting inside our buildings as the weather gets colder? And the answer is we haven't decided yet. We want to first see how public school reopenings go. We need to monitor whether COVID rates remain stable. Do they increase? Do they decline? And we need to see if the governor actually loosens restrictions on indoor gatherings, because currently churches right now are restricted to 150 people in a single room together. So Our leadership team plans to make that decision in two weeks, but I need your help. We want to hear your opinion. So I'm asking everybody just to fill out a short online survey. You'll find at liquidchurch.com slash indoor survey. It'll take you two minutes, guys, just super quick, but we want to hear from you. In June, we took a survey to see how comfortable people were meeting indoors, but now it's September, so over three months later, and I want to see today, ask how you're feeling and if your opinion has changed about the possible reopening of our physical locations this fall. Now, let me be real clear. I mean, there's the possibility that some liquid campuses may open and others don't, or no campuses open. So understand your input is very valuable to us. So go to liquidchurch.com slash indoor survey. It's also on our mobile app. It'll take you two minutes. Just tell us what you think. And then I will report back in a couple of weeks and let you know what our leadership team has decided for October through December. Sound good? All right. Well, today I'm excited to preach part two of our series, Oil Change. Did you guys enjoy last week? Let's hear some noise, make some noise in the chat. Hey, we admitted we're all in need of an oil change or a spiritual reboot to start the fall. In the Bible, oil is actually a symbol for the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, man, we all need a fresh filling of God's Spirit. Amen? Well, today I want to share a message I'm calling God's Recipe for Anointing. Now, when I first heard this teaching from Gentis and Franklin, it was so helpful. I'd like to give him credit because, you know, sometimes you'll be reading through sections in the Bible, particularly the Old Testament, and you will skim over certain parts without realizing the deeper significance. And this is going to open your eyes a bit. So if you have your Bible or your mobile app, just open Exodus chapter 30. We'll look at verses 22 through 25. 
Now, in my Bible, this section is titled Holy Anointing Oil. And in the Old Testament, holy anointing oil was just used by Levitical priests to anoint the tabernacle or the temple. And what they do is they pour special oil over the altar and the instruments in the temple to consecrate them. It just means they committed it for special service to God. But understand, this was no ordinary oil. This was a special recipe. It's found here in Exodus 30. We're going to read it. And then I'm going to unpack God's recipe for living an anointed life. Now that word anointed, it just means that God has his hand on your life for a special purpose. It means that God is pouring out his power, his protection, his favor in your life. Can I just ask, show of hands, how many of you would like God's anointing in your life? Okay. God's anointing on your family. God's anointing on your business this fall. Well, here's the recipe. Let's start at verse 22. It says this, then the Lord said to Moses, take, oh, actually it says collect. He's got to collect choice spices, 12 and a half pounds of pure myrrh, six and a quarter pounds of fragrant cinnamon, six and a quarter pounds of fragrant calamus, and 12 and a half pounds of cassia as measured by the weight of the sanctuary shekel. Also get one gallon of olive oil. And Moses, like a skilled incense maker, blend these ingredients together to make a, what's it say, church? Holy anointing oil. Now guys, this is God's recipe for living an anointed life. And God says it's made up of five different ingredients. Did you see them there? Myrrh, cinnamon, calamus, cassia, and olive oil. And when those five ingredients were mixed together, it actually became holy anointing oil. In the Old Testament, it was used to anoint kings and priests. You poured it on their head. And it represented God's power and his favor and his blessing in their life. So they were being set apart. They're being marked by the Holy Spirit for service to God. Now, what I want to do is look quickly at each one of these five ingredients, because for us as New Testament believers, we're not living in Old Testament times, they represent God's recipe that attracts the anointing of God. It's not, I, I mean, what would it be like for you to live an anointed life? I don't mean just like a normal life or a prosperous life or a successful life, but an anointed life, a life where God pours out his blessing and his power on you to accomplish his will and purposes. Let me tell you what it means. The anointing is the difference between the best you can do on your own and the best that God can do when he has his hand on you. Now, this recipe has five ingredients, and each of these has to be present if you're going to live an anointed life. If you're taking notes, you can see it right here in the outline. The first ingredient God said to put in this anointing oil is a spice called myrrh. Can you say that? Myrrh. Myrrh is a fragrant oil. If you're into essential oils, you probably know what this is. It actually comes from the trunk of a kamaphora tree in Saudi Arabia, and it's produced in the form of tears. What they do is they add alcohol to remove all the impurities. Then listen to this. They steam the myrrh. And as the steam passes through the gum, it's melted into beautiful flowing oil. And that oil becomes a fragrant perfume. Now, myrrh is actually mentioned in the Bible 152 times. We know it in the New Testament as one of the gifts that the three wise men brought to baby Jesus, right along with gold and frankincense. But the question is, what does each of these represent? Like, what does myrrh really mean? And the reality is that myrrh represents meekness. It's a spirit of surrender. It's a spirit of, I'm going to submit my life to the will of God. I want you to think about that. The number one ingredient 
for living an anointed life is meekness submitting to God's will. Now, let me clarify something, because meekness is not weakness. A lot of people think, you know, being called meek or mild, it's like an insult, like, oh, that's a little old lady, she's meek. No, no, meekness is not weakness. Don't confuse that. Do you know what the definition of meekness is? It's strength harnessed for service. It actually comes from the world of training horses. Uh, when you have like a, a wild stallion that has like great speed and strength, you ever see one like the, the horses in the Outer Banks? They're wild. They've got huge power, but they're out of control. But then once they're broken, you put reins in the mouth of the horse and you put a saddle on its back, guess what? That horse is now meek. That powerful creature can be ridden by others. It means that that enormous strength has been harnessed for service. So understand, meekness ain't weakness. It's strength harnessed for service and sacrifice. In fact, in that way of thinking, the Marines are meek. See, meekness is this, this raging river that's no longer just flowing wild and wide all over the place, but it's that water submitting to a dam so that it now produces hydroelectricity and lights up an entire town. It's submitting everything you have to the service of God. And when you do that, the Bible says God's anointing is attracted to your life. Did you see this? Notice that God gave this recipe to who? He gave it to Moses. You know what the Bible says in Numbers chapter 12, verse 3? It says, Moses was the meekest man who ever walked the face of the earth. Now, how did Moses become so meek? Well, it took 40 years of his life in the wilderness. You guys may remember, Moses was actually born in the palace of Pharaoh, but he was stripped of all that, all the silk and satin and the palace pleasures. And Moses found himself all alone on the backside of a desert from the high life living in Egypt to 40 years of tending sheep in the desert. It's so counterculture, right? All of us, like everyone in our world, wants to be an overnight success. It took 40 years of waiting, 40 years of calling on God, 40 years in a desert where God steamed all the pride and arrogance out of Moses. And like tears of myrrh, his self-will was broken. And you had a proud man crying tears of surrender that the steam of the Holy Spirit had burned through the gum of Moses' very fiber. And now the oil was flowing out of his life. And God spoke to Moses in a burning bush because when you become meek and broken, that's when God leans in and whispers. He says, Moses, I've got a special mission for you. You're going to free my people from slavery. And check this out. Moses was so meek. You know what he did? He took off his shoes as a sign of reverence and respect to the presence of God. Moses is so meek. He says, God, you should probably pick someone else. I, I, don't, I don't speak well. I, I stutter. I, I'm not anything special. And God says, no, no. I've been waiting 40 years to burn all that stubbornness and pride out of you. And now you're fit for my service. See, guys, the rest is history. Moses became the most powerful liberator of God's people because his strength was now harnessed in the service of God and others. He said, Lord, I'm not much of my own, but I'll do whatever you want if you promise you'll go with me. And when Moses spoke to Pharaoh, it said it was like God himself speaking because the anointing was so powerful on his life. What's the point? Guys, those of us who are meek, we're so emptied of ourselves and surrendered to God. It means you're willing to do whatever God tells you and trust him for the outcome. Meekness is power. Meekness is Mary, the mother of Jesus in the New Testament. 
When God says, Mary, I have chosen you to give birth to my son, the Messiah, instead of objecting or resisting, you know what Mary simply said? She said, I'm the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. It's surrendering to God's will. It's submitting your strength to God's service. And when you can say what Moses said or what Mary said, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. It doesn't have to be big or grand. I'll just be obedient because my life is in your service. It attracts God's anointing. It's the first ingredient in God's recipe for living an anointed life. Myrrh, it represents meekness. Now, the second ingredient, if you're taking notes, here in Exodus 30, is a spice we all know. It's called cinnamon. Everybody say cinnamon. Woo, cinnamon, cinnamon buns, pumpkin spice latte. No, no, we know cinnamon. It's, keep this picture up because we know it as like a spice that you sprinkle, right, on pumpkin scones and lattes. It's sweet smelling, but take a look at this picture. What you may not know is that cinnamon actually comes from trees that grow 30 or 40 feet tall into the air. Do you see that? They go straight up, and this is so important. They grow upright, standing tall in the air. Most cinnamon trees actually stand so straight, there are no curves whatsoever. And what they do is they actually peel the bark off the tree. You can see these trees are partially peeled, and they roll that spice into straight rods. It's where you get a cinnamon stick from. And so cinnamon represents uprightness or integrity. It's standing straight and tall. No curves, no crookedness, no compromise. That's the second ingredient here that attracts God's anointing in Exodus 30, uprightness. Now, Understand what I mean by that. When I say you're standing upright, I don't mean you're like acting so self-righteous that you got your nose in the air and you're looking down on everybody else and you're walking around like you're on spiritual stilts, looking down on all the unspiritual people. I wish they all could live as pure and clean as I do. Clean up your act, Pastor Niffin. No, 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 no. Remember, meekness, <laughs> humility. As Christ followers, we never look down on anyone because Hey, we're sinners just like all the rest, and the only difference is we've been forgiven. But it means that you take an upright stand and stand up for what God says is right, even in a crooked culture, because God's anointing is on your life. Did you know the Old Testament actually said that if a man had a crooked back, he wasn't allowed to be a priest in the temple. He was disqualified. And you know what God was saying, basically? He's making a point. He's saying, the way you stand matters. The way that you stand for truth, the way that you stand for what's right, even when it's not popular, the way you stand for 100% integrity in your business, 100% integrity in your marriage, 100% integrity in your classroom, when nobody else is looking or maybe other people are playing dirty, you walk upright anyway. And because if, if your back is crooked, right, you can't, you're not standing straight. You can't be in God's service. I mean, even today, right, when someone's dishonest, what do we call them? We call them crooks. They're crooked. Their moral frame is kind of bent. They'll say or do anything that gets them ahead. And can I just say, like, I look at our world. Come on, is this preach? In this moment in history, in our culture, so many leaders are bent out of shape. So many leaders flat out lie. They will spin. They'll tell half-truths. Guys, you and I are called to be people of truth because we know the truth. And the truth has a name, Amen. His name is Jesus Christ. That's who and how we take our stand. So understand, when you're a Christian and you stand, we're not standing on our own righteousness. We are standing on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It's his blood shed on the cross for me that allows me to stand straight in a very crooked world. 
So as a Christ follower in this crooked world, you got to stand for truth, guys. you got to stand in Christ's righteousness, not your own. How else do you stand? When, when, when problems come, you actually stand on the word of God. You stand on God's promises. For instance, when you get sick, you actually stand on the promise that there is divine healing. I understand you maybe uh, you got a bad report from the doctor or someone in your family is suffering. And you know what? We, we are grateful for doctors, medical professionals. But at the end of the day, you stand on the truth that, you know what? Man does not have the final word. Amen? You stand on the promises of God that by Christ's stripes, you are healed. That you will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Stand up. You, you may be fighting a battle maybe in your family. Maybe you got a crisis with your kids or pressures in your marriage. But you stand on this promise. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We're going to talk about that next week. But you got to claim the promises of God, church, when you're under pressure. Maybe you're facing a tough fight this fall. Here, here's a promise from God's word to you. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Didn't say the weapon wouldn't form. It just said it ain't going to succeed. You got to stand up to the enemy. You got to stand up to the world, which means you may have to stand up to popular opinion. Even though everybody sits down, everybody jokes, you don't condone it. You actually stand up to racism. You stand up to abortion. You stand up for the family. You stand up for marriage. You stand up for pure speech. You don't just go along with the crowd. Even if it's not popular, you stand tall for God. Because you know what they say, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Amen? Oh, I'm, I'm preaching now. I love that. Listen, Martin Luther, the famous reformer, he was once asked, they said, uh, Martin, don't you know, it looks like the whole world is against you. You know what Martin Luther said? He said, good, I'm against the whole world. See, if you want God's anointing, you got to grow a spiritual spine. It does not matter what people think or what the world says. I'm going to do what God says and what I know is right in the eyes of the Lord. And when you're upright in your stand, man, let me just tell you, it attracts the anointing of God. Ingredient number two. Isn't that cool? Isn't it amazing what's in God's word? Look at the deeper significance. Look at this third ingredient of an anointed life. It's in verse 23. It says, add six and a quarter pounds of fragrant calamus. Now, this is super cool. Calamus is a reed that grows in swamps. Look at the picture here. And that's the head of the reed. And that head of the reed actually fills with oil. So farmers know it's ready to be harvested when the head of the reed actually fills with oil, so much so that it actually bends over. In other words, it just starts going like, like this and hits the ground because now it's heavy with oil. You know what that represents? It means bending low in humility. Everyone say humility. Humility comes from the word hummus of the earth. If you want a life that attracts the anointed God, you have to have humility. I mean, guys, think in John 13, how Jesus demonstrated a level of humility that our world can barely grasp. I mean, think about everything today. Think about corporations, our businesses, our government. They're all built on a pyramid, right? <laughs> Where's the leader? The leader is always on top. Top of the pyramid, I arrived. But Jesus was a servant leader. In other words, he turned it upside down. When his disciples said, hey, Jesus, who's going to be greatest in your kingdom? Who is the all-star? He essentially said, the one who is willing to bow low and serve all. I want you to imagine the scene when one by one, the fishermen walked in and sat down with their grimy, sandy, filthy feet. And Jesus Christ, catch this, God in the flesh, bends low 
takes off their sandals. Woo! You know what that smelled like. And he said, I've come to wash your feet. What kind of humility are we talking about here? The hands that created the cosmos washed stinking, filthy feet. Jesus went from the majestic to the menial task of foot washing. That was his example of how to be great in the sight of God. Jesus said, this life is not about elevating your name. It's not about building your platform. It's not about puffing up your popularity. It's not even about serving yourself. It's about serving others in humility. And it's a beautiful thing. It is this fragrant oil that attracts the anointing of God. You know, I think of humility. I think of a friend whose name you probably won't recognize because he serves behind the scenes at our church. His name is Kurt, Kurt Appleby. And uh, Kurt owns a landscaping company. And when COVID struck, he said, hey, do you guys need help in any way? He said, I own a landscaping business. I said, you know what, would you mind mowing the front lawn? And, and so he started mowing the lawn. And then he came back the following week and they mowed the lawn again. And then the next week and the next week and the next week. And we're like, how much do you owe? He said, no, 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 this is my, my joy. I'm serving the Lord. I'm, I'm doing the lawn at the Father's house. All those miles riding all over our church grounds, keeping them neat and clean over the last six months of COVID. He has saved us thousands of dollars in wine maintenance. But you'd never know because Kurt doesn't brag about it. He just loves to serve anonymously in God's house and bless all of us. And on top of that, Kurt and his wife, Yami, actually volunteer to serve every Friday when we distribute food in our parking lot to our neighbors in need through the community food bank. Kurt and Yami are like calamists. They love to bend low and just serve Jesus and others in his name, and they do it with humility. Can I ask you a little gut check moment? Gut check moment. When was the last time you washed feet? What I mean is, when was the last time you volunteered for a stinky job, or, or, or a role where you didn't get paid, or you did something for which you got no credit, or, or do you only volunteer or serve when it's sexy, or, or there's something in it for you? <laughs> Jesus said, blessed are those who who serve behind the scenes because it's the Lord Jesus Christ you are serving. Psalm 84.10 says this. David says, I want to get this. He says, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. David's like, I, I'm king, but I'd rather hold the doors for people. I'd rather park the cars. I'd rather cut the grass. I'll change the diapers in God's house. I don't have to be in the limelight. I want to serve like my Savior, because when I bow low, I am just like Jesus. Amen? You're just like Jesus. God's anointing is drawn like a laser to that kind of humility. Scripture actually promises, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to who? To the, say it, humble. In other words, no humility, no anointing. God says, I give grace, I give my favor to the humble. The humble get my help. The humble get my anointing. Now, the fourth ingredient of an anointed life is cassia. And this is kind of funny. You're going to remember this. Take a look at this picture. Cassia, we have to do a lot of like kind of agricultural and botanical uh, research this week. Cassia actually produces a leaf called senna. You can see it's, it's pretty. And here's the deal. It's a laxative. <laughs> for, for thousands of years, cassia has been used in medicine 
to relieve constipation. Now, some of our senior saints, you may remember this, right? When you were little, if you couldn't go, they'd give you a little senna in the form of castor oil. And guess what? Whoosh! <laughs> Flush your whole system out. What's the spiritual significance? Cassia represents inner cleansing. It's this inner purity in your inner spiritual man or woman that attracts the anointing of God. I'm just telling you, church, I, now and then, you got to bring everything unclean inside of you back to the cross for cleansing. You say, Lord, I need an inner cleansing. i got junk in my life that's got to be washed clean by your blood. I, I need to be cleaned out so I can be filled with your Holy Spirit. Amen? Can I ask, are there things in your life that you're tolerating? And you know they're impure or they're dirty, but it's hindering the anointing of God. Maybe it's the music you listen to. You know, hey, look, we all do, right? Maybe it's the shows that you watch. What's in your Netflix queue? Maybe it's the stuff you surf on the internet. How's your inner purity? You need everything unclean inside of you to be brought to the cross, laid bare before Jesus. And you got to pray with passion, like David did in Psalm 139. David prayed, search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me. Know, know even my thoughts, what I'm thinking. And see if there be any what? Any wicked way in me. Get all that junk out of me and lead me in the way everlasting. God, take stock of everything, even my motives and my desires, and cleanse me from the inside out. I'm just telling you, it's always like, well, it's spring. It's time for spring cleaning. It's fall. It's time for fall cleaning. Some of you got to get the garbage out of your temple. Do you know that? You're the temple of God. See, in Exodus 30, holy oil was used to anoint the temple of God and the priests of God. But the Bible says, don't you know, now in the New Testament, you yourselves are God's temple. God's spirit dwells in your midst. In other words, you got to clean up your temple every day. You got to take out the trash. You got to clean up the corners of your mind. You got to clean out your body this fall. Don't just waste the pandemic. Attack your addictions. This is not the season, guys, to abuse alcohol or painkillers. I get it. It's a painful time and people want to check out. This is not the time to tolerate pornography in your house. God says, there are times in the life of every believer that I want you to come to church and get cleaned out and cleaned up so my spirit can flow through you. Inner cleansing attracts the anointing, which leads us to the last ingredient. This may be the most important of all. In verse 24, God says, also get one gallon of what? Olive oil. Everyone say olive oil. Olive oil. <laughs> this is not just Popeye's girlfriend, people. <laughs> this is the last and largest ingredient in God's recipe for anointing. And it actually speaks of the Holy Spirit. Again, in the Old Testament, oil was used to anoint kings and priests and prophets. They would pour it over their head and they declare the presence of God is now on them. They are set apart for special service. In fact, Moses anointed Aaron. And when Aaron was anointed, listen to how Psalm 133 described it. It said, it is like precious oil poured on the head, running down. Now I'm just going to do a little drop here, but that's not what Aaron got. Look what it says, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down the collar of his robe. Have you ever heard of beard oil? Well, this is the first historical mention. <laughs> Aaron basically had a whole gallon poured over his head by Moses. In other words, what's the point? 
He's saying, man, you got to get drenched in the Holy Ghost. You got to get soaked in his spirit. You can't be spiritually dry this fall to lead your family, to lead your business. Do not let this pandemic wear you down. You have to get a fresh filling because that's where the power of God is. The Holy Spirit brings healing. The Holy Spirit unleashes heaven's power. The Holy Spirit is the oil in the five virgins. Remember the wise virgins who had oil in their lamps? They were ready for Jesus' return. Remember I said to you last week, I was like, tell me, just look, in, look on your dashboard. How's your oil level? Is your lamp lit with oil? Can I just say, we got a lot of people lit in today's church, but not the kind of lit that God likes. In Psalm 92, David said, I shall be anointed with what? Say it together, church. Fresh oil, fresh oil, not stale oil. Stale oil stinks. It attracts flies. In fact, listen to this. I was always like, how does David know so much about oil? Well, it wasn't just because he was anointed as a king, but as a shepherd. Did you know this? Sheep are often attacked by flies in the field. They get flies in their ears. They get flies in their eyes. Flies actually attack their brain, and it drives sheep crazy. So in Bible times, shepherds would drop a single drop of oil on the forehead of each sheep and by each ear. And the fragrance of that oil that fresh oil, it would actually calm the sheep down and drive the flies away. Guys, Satan's nickname is Beelzebub. It translates to Lord of the Flies. But when you are freshly anointed with the Holy Spirit, he can't stand it. The devil can't attack you. Because when God's anointing is activated in your life, Satan has to run away because he can't stand to be in the presence of of a holy God whose anointing is all over you. So here's my question, church. Who is ready for a fresh anointing today? Make some noise. Just write, anoint me in the chat. Anoint me. Who wants to be anointed with the holy anointing oil? Man, I wish you were here in person. Some of you are. So I actually brought some with me. Seriously, I had to specially order this. And we found a supplier who creates holy anointing oil made to the exact specifications of Exodus 30. In other words, exactly what we read proportionally, it's, this is made of all five ingredients. It's made out of myrrh, which represents, remember, everyone said it together, meekness, strength, harness for service. There is cinnamon. Oh, I love it. It symbolizes what? Uprightness. It actually reminds you to stand tall with integrity even when the world doesn't. There is calamus in this, which means you bend low in humility, because God loves when his kids stoop to serve like their savior. And there's cassia, which speaks of inner cleansing. You got to ask God, you want to be anointed this fall? You got to ask God, get rid of all the impurities in this life. Uh, clean my whole temple from the inside out and fill me with fresh oil, which represents the Holy Spirit. So today, if you're actually in person at one of our services, I'm going to give you the opportunity to come be anointed in person, you and your family, literally. I'm going to actually ask right now all of our pastors and prayer ministers to come down to the stage. They got their masks. They got their gloves on. And for anybody who wants it, we're going to anoint you with oil today. Now, just don't worry. Nothing weird, okay? In fact, it's touchless. Let me demonstrate on Pastor Nathan. Nathan, come on out. You're just going to come to the altar, and you're going to bow your head like a reed. And we will drop very gently a simple boop. Drop. You got two. You are doubly blessed, my friend, anointed in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But we're not going to slap your hand like that. <laughs> By the way, Nathan, you smell better now. <laughs> this is just a symbol, guys, of consecrating your life to the Lord this fall. 
So families, if you want to come forward together, and then we're going to worship the Lord, a sweet aroma welcoming the Holy Spirit. And, and we're, not, we're not going to drench you. We're just going to have a single drop today. But, but I'm just talking to you right now. Listen, this is my, from my heart. If you feel God speaking to you, and you know there's stuff in your life, and you're like, I mean, I, God, I, I've traveled so far away, but I'm not making excuses. I, I want to come home. I want to commit myself. I want you to consecrate me. I dedicate my family. This could be a powerful moment. If you want to walk in the fullness and the power of God's anointing, you got to be meek. You got to be upright. You got to be humble. You ask God to search your heart, get rid of anything that hinders that anointing, and he will fill you afresh with the Holy Spirit today. So let's pray, and then we're going to invite you to come forward for anointing at our physical locations. Father, I pray right now. Let's put our hands out. Put your hands out, church. Even if you're at home right now watching online, put your hands out. I anoint you in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. We worship you, God. I thank you for the power of your word. God, nobody here, we don't want to live a normal life. We want to live an anointed life, a life where your sense of your presence is so palpable. When we walk into rooms, people can feel it because you're with us. Father, right now, pour out your great love and grace. You oppose the proud. The proud just are people who say, I, I don't need any of this. I don't need Jesus. But you give grace. You give favor to the humble. So Lord, we put our hands out in humility and say, Holy Spirit, fall fresh on me. I need your filling. I need it for the pressures and the fights that I'm facing this fall. Fill me up, Father God. Make me meek, not angry. Harness my passion to use it in your service. Father, I ask a fresh anointing and your power and your protection, the blood of Jesus over every believer here. And if you're not a believer, this is a moment. Give your life to Christ. Simply say, God, I know I'm a sinner. Come fill me and come save me. I turn from my sin. Jesus, come into my heart. I give my heart, my whole life to you. I want that power and anointing in my life to know you're with me and that my life is being used for your purposes. So God, forgive my sins. I turn from them now. Cleanse me on the inside and make me brand new. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to check out Liquid Church for a weekend service, small group, outreach, or clean water trip, you can find out more about us online at liquidchurch.com. And if you enjoy the podcast, go ahead and subscribe or share it with a friend. Thanks again for listening.